while police photographing our license plate. What are we doing for veterans returning home damaged physically and mentally, suffering from depression, homelessness, and suicide? Why did the Supreme Court deposit corporate money into our electoral process? Should we redefine middle class as working poor? Or is it just another Wall Street merger? What's really behind new voter picture ID laws in certain states? Why aren't NBC, ABC, CBS, and Fox asking these questions? Welcome to the Reasonable Voice radio show. I'm your host, Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice. The mission of the Reasonable Voice is to connect the dots between politics and finance, the need for better and more affordable education, our humanity, world peace, and, of course, the arts, which we then gladly provide our listeners, the voting public, as informative food for thought to provoke their self-determination and appetite for equal economic opportunity and justice for all without truth decay. The Reasonable Voices are advocates prioritizing education, preserving our history, leading by example for a peaceful and prosperous world by evoking and embracing both creative artists and political unity as solutions to our challenges. Welcome to the Reasonable Voices talk radio show. I'm your host, Marcello Rolando, and my guest today is Stoll Vaughn. Stoll Vaughn is an Americana artist who has seized the opportunities that well-written and thoughtfully recorded songs can provide. In his newest album, The Conversation, Stoll Vaughn joined forces with Tet a Tet, a creative studio founded by filmmaker Austin Lynch and artist Kay Simmons, to create a series of what they're calling stripped-down videos, documenting five acoustic performances and the landscapes and people they convey in and around Los Angeles. So welcome, please, Stoll Vaughn. How are you? Oh, I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. And, uh, and you know, as I was telling you before we came on, I mean, I, I listen to your music and I, I just, uh, I feel, what can I tell you? I feel the, the, I feel the nation being what it can be. Let's put it that way. Um, okay. You know, and I, and I hope you get me on that um, because you do that. Your music does that. And the visuals and the video... Uh, how, uh, first of all, let's mention, and we'll mention it several times, that the videos and music will be released worldwide on Thursday, March 15th. Uh, we'll talk more about that as we go. But your music, your music has been uh, heard in many uh, uh, television, female on-camera work, uh, True Blood, uh, Friday Night Lights, Shameless, A World Made Straight, and on and on. Tell us something about what that, that's like to have your music be a part of ongoing TV shows. But I think uh, I think you made a good point. Is that you know when you listen to my music, you felt uh, you felt really comfortable uh, about our nation, as you said. Yes. And um, and one of the one of the decisions I made a while ago was to come out to Los Angeles because you know the music industry is has gone through a lot of shit. Yes. And one of the uh, one of the places where you can still you know make a living and also um, have opportunities is in TV and film. And uh, so I made the decision that I would come out here and really pursue 
you know, writing my own records, but also kind of building relationships with, with TV and film folks so I could have a place. You know, before um, I came out here, and when I was out here as well, but I was touring a lot and, uh, and doing the Americana radio stuff and, and doing pretty well and, you know, opening for John Mellencamp and John Fogarty and, you know, a lot of big names. And, but, you know, that in, in that hustle, um, I recognized that that, uh, that radio and all that sort of stuff that, that gave you the opportunity to get out there um, were kind of dying on the vine. So I took an opportunity to come out here and kind of focus on that. And so trying to survive, yeah. if that makes sense. No, I understand, and and very often, you know, when we when we do that sort of thing, my first move to New York was that I, I bought a one-way ticket and packed one suitcase, didn't have a place to live, didn't have a job, headed on out to New York City, and, uh, and, and you know, it, things really worked extremely well for me, but I, I think uh, the universe, whatever you want to call that, rewards people who take chances. And and sometimes we we don't take chances until we feel our back is against the wall. What are your thoughts? Uh, I agree with that 100. percent You know, I always live by a, a statement. You know, uh, the fear of the known is greater than the fear of the unknown. Yes. Um, and so when I kind of get to that place, you know, sometimes I can make decisions without being in that sort of um, fear. Mm-hmm. Um, but but it's more often than not. So let's talk a bit about the the conversation. First of all, what's a stripped down videos? If I didn't know. <laughs> yeah. But, so I started kind of um, a little bit of history behind it. Is so, so I came out to Los Angeles, and um, and then after a few years, I, I partnered with my old agent from um, my booking agency to do an artist development company. And and you know, there's always horror stories about. Um, music business people uh, because it really doesn't exist I don't think but but so anyways that didn't work out but I spent a lot of time developing artists and uh, and so I was kind of in a in a lost phase of what my own stuff was mm-hmm. so, uh, so in getting back into it you know my my really good friend Austin Lynch uh, who directed the videos was kind of you know by my side as I was writing these songs and, and you know instead of me going into the studio and recording drums and all the things that I can do I decided that that I would start this phase of my of my release and and creating a record with the basic just neon acoustic guitar and the environment mm-hmm. that I that I live in but then, you know, if you engage in, in that song, you can ca- kind of engage in the process afterwards, which then I take some of those songs to a guy named Paul Bramel who plays in a band called My Morning Jagged, who's a really good friend of mine, mm-hmm. and he produced those songs. And then I return to my original stomping ground, which was Bloomington, Indiana, and uh, and sit down with kind of my mentor, a guy who's been uh, who's you know been with John Mellencamp for 45 years and done all those big records with him and actually gave me the start on 
leading to write songs and do that sort of thing. And we turned to, to uh, sit down with him and, and, and that band uh, to flush out the songs even more. So it's kind of this continual, you know, you know, it, it, it's just a, it, it's the beginning of, of kind of a conversation with an audience, with myself, um, with friends, you know. Mm. Um, so, it, you know, it's, it's a concept record, I guess. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Well, as you mentioned, the the conversation, and we're talking about uh, uh, videos, uh, uh, five videos actually from the conversation are premiering on Thursday, March fifteenth. And as you said, the conversation was shot by filmmaker Austin Lynch. But you have you have always had a, uh, I think, a, a serious independent streak. Is that uh, uh, too strong. Um, which? No, I, <laughs> go ahead. No, a hundred percent. I think, um, and I don't know why I was born with that, um, but but I have been, um, and I think it's interesting that you see that because I, you know, I'm I, I want to to own not own like um, I think you're Italian. I've been watching The Godfather. You know, not, yeah. not maybe. <laughs> kind of like uh, Don Corleone but yes. I want to own um, my work and I want to be able to make choices and it's really difficult for musicians and artists yes. to be able to continue that and not not be scared into making other choices not be scared to stopping not be scared to, um, to kind of putting themselves in other positions and I've done that before yes. and so I think for me, independence, you know, is difficult, but also it's relationship building. It's um, it's kind of spiritual in a way, uh, and and the future of music really does lie in each artist being independent because distribution has been really stripped down to we're on our computers and. Um, so I, I think I'm, I might be ahead of the curve, but I think the next generation of artists and musicians will be really well-versed in social media mm. and communicating with their audiences and uh, developing their own artwork and, and uh, all those sorts of things that that used to be done by others. Yes. Um, I think the next generation is going to be really well-versed and, and really hopefully good at writing songs. That's the that's the big fear that I have is that, you know, the, the, the fundamentals and structure of songwriting might go out the window because there's too much focus on other things, but I think that makes sense. I understand what you're saying, but let me make certain I do. I'll ask you, it uh, as the next generation... Um, uh, comes to this existence with so many more, perhaps certainly than I, uh, skills at social media and digital uh, platforms, etc. There is some concern uh, on, on part of a lot of people that will the music itself suffer? Will it lose that um, that soulful quality that makes you still? Uh, connect with your fellow human beings and the earth that we are not always that friendly to. Is that that close? <laughs> I, I think that's really close. I think that's exactly uh, what I'm saying. Uh, and, you know, there's there's debate on any side of it. Um, 
know, there'll always be somebody that will champion the artist that is really truly free to be themselves. Yes. Um, so, so that that element I think is always going to be there. It's been there from the beginning of time, but but the person that's developing on his on his own is the environment around him going to really engage his spiritual growth, his um, his growth as a person, and to really kind of put put a true spin on on songwriting and music that instead of just copying or mm. pasting what was already done. You know, that's so true, uh, Stoll, because if the artist isn't uh, isn't really giving of himself or herself, I think of writers as well as composers, uh, uh, it's, it's, you, you're in a challenging area because it, it was a little easier, I found, in New York City to direct and write theater. But, when you, right. but very often in film... Uh, and television, the writers and the composers really have to fight for that identity, you know. Uh, and so if, if the artist, for whatever reason, is unable to uh, give of themselves, then it, it um, uh, what does it do? It limits how the audience can respond in a heartfelt way. I, I don't know. You bring this out in me. What do you think? <laughs> oh, that's exactly right. I mean, I think there's... Um kind of like a dog in a way you know they can sense things that, um, that you don't know is around the corner maybe they're just smelling it and maybe they just feel it um, but it's the same thing with music it's you know it's very uh, there's the subconscious to it that that even though the even though somebody sings the same song mm-hmm. you know I used open mic night and somebody would get up and sing um, a John Prine song and they would you know, the people that overthought the process, you know, it never really came across. Then you get the person that got up there for the first time, and they're scared that they put their heart into it, whether they're singing happy birthday or anything. Mm. And it moved you uh, to almost tears at times, you know? Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's not so much a skill set as it is, although, you know, the craft of, of music and, and art, is a real craft and something you have to practice. Yes, yes. The other thing that is really, um, that can get lost with, I mean, it can get lost in anything. I mean, I thought that I lost it after, you know, my my business, my artist development company didn't work, you know? I mean, it's like, well, I like it so off the beaten path Mm. that, you know, I was creating a country artist as the magic mic of country music because that's what I thought I had to do. So, uh, it's there for everybody just to kind of jump down that rabbit hole. Yes. Yes. Is that what? Um um, you know, with all of the, again, I always say I'm still working my way into the 21st century technically, but I learned fast. That's a good thing. But uh, but your attention now uh, with acoustical uh, performances as opposed to, elect, you know, all the electronics and digital uh, software that's available, th- that is a conscious choice to make a point? And if so, what? Um, well, first of all, the people, the kids that are doing it today, that are digital, that are working in the computer, mm-hmm. are so good. Mm-hmm. They're so good that, that if I wanted to do that, um, I'm a little bit behind the eight ball. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. You know, 
So a lot of my recording, you know, it's funny, I'm, I'm in that uh, generation that started recording to tape. And computers just started, and they were about thirty to $40,000 for a computer that, that did what, what my computer in my studio does. You know, it takes five seconds to do to one hour. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was in this generation where record labels still existed, tape machines still existed, studios still existed. And so over the course of time, I've kind of all, I, I never, you know, I didn't have to start cutting and pasting and doing a lot of digital music mm-hmm. because that's all, all I knew how to do was, was more the physical analog Yes. Stuff. Yes. Um, so that that's a choice. Also, a choice in, the, in stripping it down is so I can get out of my own way. As we were just talking, mm-hmm. it's really important for me to have it in a way that you know that I I am upfront mm. and not trying to hide anything. So I, that's that's the reason. Because when you get into recording, you start adding guitar parts and you say. Is that cool enough? I don't know. Mm. Yeah, it's kind of like print. Okay, go further that way. And then by the time you get to the end of the song, you're not listening to the performance of the vocal or the song. You're thinking, is that cool enough? Or is that right? Um, so, so those are some of the choices I've made to stay, really kind of break it down to its, its basic element, especially with these videos, because I don't want, I don't want to cover up uh, what, what I'm already saying. Gotcha. All right, we're going to take a short break. We are talking with Stoll Vaughn, who is um, about to premiere five videos from The Conversation on Thursday, March 15th, 2018. The Conversation having been shot by filmmaker Austin Lynch. Uh, when we get back, we're going to talk more about uh, Stoll's company, Commonwealth Artists, and Uh, who he's toured with, and what's next, and all of that. So stay with us. We'll be right back. And now, I Was All Alone, from The Conversation, by Stoll Vaughn. Welcome back to the Reasonable Voices Talk Radio Show. My guest today, uh, guitarist Stoll Vaughn, premiering five videos from the conversation on Thursday, March 15th. And we've talked about when. We haven't so much talked about where. Let's uh, let's mention some of those uh, digital platforms where we can hear your music on March 15th. The videos. Yes, so the videos will be on Vimeo, iTunes, YouTube, and Spotify. Very um, good. Okay, and others too, I imagine, will um, uh, will be a part of that release. And again, to mention that the conversation was shot by filmmaker Austin Lynch. I'm curious if, just to hear a little more, because we were talking a bit about your independence you uh, you founded your own music publishing company, Commonwealth Artists, and yes, and t- tell us about some of the people you work with with that, and uh, how that's going for you. 
Well, so I, um, right now I have, I still have the country artists that I've, that I've worked with for a long time. Mm-hmm. So when I was, uh, a few years ago, I had another, um, I had that artist development company. And, and so my partner was at one time uh, pretty well connected in Nashville. So I really kind of focused on the pop country, mm-hmm. which is just, it's just, it'll make your brain dead but um so i have uh so i kind of took an artist that i found in las vegas and and wrote a bunch of songs and and uh so i have that and then i also um the one that that's kind of coming out right now is a a kid named Dwayne betts he's uh he's the son of dickie betts Mm. uh, from the almost brothers Mm -hmm. and so he's touring with devin allman um they're kind of doing a co-bill for the summer, and so an EP of the songs that we've written are, is uh, will be out. Um, you know, there's some final touches to that that needs to happen. So, and that kind of uh, those are the two artists that I'm really kind of champion right now. And then my own stuff, which is which is taking taking precedent over everything else because mm-hmm. I finish all the the records that I I plan to release in the next you know three or four months. Okay. Now you um, uh, you were the composer for David Lynch's interview project. That sounds uh, well. well it, it, the the series won a Webby Award. Gotcha. Um, it was it was a great. Uh, Austin did that with uh, with Jason S. Who, who just did the documentary on David, and so they kind of went around the country and just found people and interviewed a lot of the the videos that we that I have coming out, um, they kind of reference interview project in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. So they drove around the, the country for, I think, like 60 days and did some, and, and just found people and interviewed them and, and it kind of did little five-minute interviews with music behind it and kind of scenery. And uh, David would do an introduction to each video. And it did really well. I mean, they even went over to Europe and, and Mercedes sponsored them to do a European version of that. Mm. So it, it was a success uh, by all means. And and your your music is also you compose some music for the the making of There Will Be Blood. There will be blood. Yeah, and you know a lot of that kind of music that I create for for those sorts of things. Like I just had an interview, or not an interview, but a meeting at Netflix because. You know, a lot of those documentaries and stuff that they're doing, they're doing about 700 new shows this year. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of that music is not, is not like my songs that I, that I put out on, onto The Office or uh, Friday Night Lights or True Blood. <clears throat> a lot of that is me composing it with just an official guitar, uh, slide guitar, kind of different instrumentation. But, 30 second clips that that kind of give the feel of old timey or American or mm. you know that's so a lot of that is, is me kind of pushing through and making you know minute to 30 seconds to a minute vignette you know Stoll it reminds me um, of it's really a kind of a uh, I, I won't say throwback because it's it's still forward thinking but 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 it's it, it um, it's kind of a legacy captured 
for the days when Hollywood would add music that was composed specifically as the score for a, a film. So that it, I mean, that takes a special talent, I always felt. You look at the material and you compose um, uh, pieces that enhance what the video is trying to say. Uh, like There Will Be Blood, you had to have some very specific uh, composition. Is, 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 tell us how you do that. How does that work? And how do, how do you feel about it? Do you enjoy it? Yeah, um, I do. Well, it, it can go either way. Uh-huh. Um, as you just mentioned, uh, Interview Project and There Will Be Blood, that those, um, those are tonal things that I, I really can get the eye. But I, I have the, you know, some other stuff that you end up, you know, you sit down with the director. I did an Amazon TV pilot, and we sit down with the director, and, and you think you're on the same page. Mm-hmm. Okay, you know, you want it to be this, I can totally do that, I can, you know, this is going to be great. And then by the time you get to that process, you are really just adding, uh, you're just copying the tenth score that's already in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, people make a great living doing that so I I'm not judging that at all mm-hmm. um, but it becomes very difficult if you have expectations not to do that okay um, and so you know you just have to understand your uh, expectations and keep them when when you meet with the director or somebody that needs something musically you you know hopefully you have a you know kind of a recall sheet of what that person might want mm-hmm. so you can you can go in prepared because if you go in unprepared it becomes extremely difficult mm. um, because you're at the you're at the whim of hey you know I want some more saxophone and say what saxophone mm. okay I'll just hire a saxophone player is that good saxophone you know you're just doing you're making it up uh-huh. um, as you go so so there's you know, there's like with everything, there's uh, there's the wins and the and the losses. But but for me, like when I met over at Netflix, you know, I'm asking for specific things that I, I know I can do really well, which would be more of those tonal pieces that are documentary style. Gotcha. Um, yeah. Does that oh. make sense? Okay. It does. No, no, I get it. Uh, very good. You know, I mentioned uh, you've been the road of the musician is to go on the road. I think, in so many ways, it's that's how you uh, uh, get your music to the people, directly to the people. For all of our digital age and whatever, who are some of the people you toured alongside with? Uh, they're, they're quite an impressive list of uh, of names. Can you throw out and tell us some stories, some anecdotes? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, well, I mean, I've done. You know, one of my favorites was a guy named Marty Stewart. They call him the ambassador to country music. Yes. He was wonderful. Um, I did that long tour with John Mellencamp and John Fogarty. Mm-hmm. That was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then out of that, I ended up opening up the Death Leopard and Journey, which, mm. you know, for my type of music, didn't fit it. But they, they needed as a they needed somebody in the front that made it not the either one of them was was opening. It was a co-headlining tour, so I just went out with an acoustic guitar on that and um, and ended up becoming great friends with, with all of them. You know? Yes. I 
started writing songs with Jonathan Cain, who, who wrote all those big ballads for Journey. And, and yeah, I was one of the reasons that brought me out here as I was producing a record for um, the drummer of Death Leopard, why continue to try to produce it, and it wasn't working out. And so, um, so I came out of here, and, that was, and then, you know, it was just a lot of, you know, Tom Rush, I mean, you know, it's been, it's been a lot of people that I've, I've shared the bill, bill with or schools with. I do miss that a little bit by being out in California, because mm. I haven't done it as much lately. Well, it, it, it was certainly uh, a good... Um a launching pad for a number of things, as you say. I mean, you ended up playing at the Hollywood Bowl uh, and uh, Jones Beach. and other, I mean, it's, it's been a good path. I hope you feel that way because as I've watched you through, you know, over time, I love when I come from an operatic classical music background. And during most of my, those early years, that was all I did and knew about music. So as I got older and did directed more theater and whatever, I got to experience different, more, my, my tastes in music became a little more eclectic, I guess I'm saying. And that's when I discovered you. <laughs> and I mean, I'm just so, uh, I'm just so pro what's good about uh, the American dream. And, uh, and a lot of that gets bashed now as fake news. I don't think, uh, I think we miss what we really started out to be and what the Statue of Liberty promises and what music does to all our uh, savage breasts, you know. Uh, you, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, yeah, but I, I do want, before we have to go, let's, uh, we've talked about a lot of all the things I wanted to talk about. I just want to make certain we touched on the conversation in a way that completes the the message you're trying to send to us. Again, we um, the conversations, five videos from the conversation on uh, Thursday, March 15, 2018, will premiere, uh, composed by Stoll Vaughn and the video shot by filmmaker Austin Lynch. I wonder... What what is it you want us to get from the videos and from the music of uh, the conversation store? I think um, I think kind of what you said I, right before. Um, I you know for me I made a decision when I was about twenty, and I've been doing music for a while. I went to Interlock and Art Academy, all those sorts of things, and I had some choices, you know, like. Mm-hmm. Do you do music or do you not do music? And I made the decision that doing music wholeheartedly to the best of my ability and writing songs that are true mm. can benefit other people. Yes. You know, whether it's five or five million, it's a, you know, it's it's a it's an act of love. Yes. And so I think what I want people to get out of the videos is kind of to be able to sit back and and kind of reach into the song and not get lost with, with a lot of production, not get lost with a lot of images flashing at you, but just to have a moment where they can appreciate somebody thinking about, you know, the word forgiveness or, you know, those, those sorts of kind of grand themes, you know. I, I'm, um, and I think the songs that I chose to do the video have kind of, a very simplistic kind of um, 
overall arcing, you know, love, forgiveness, happiness, you know, we're not alone, those sorts of ideas. And I just hope that people kind of are able to watch it and, and kind of take a moment and enjoy the, the landscape and, and somebody really just being present with them right in front of them. Yes. Correct. You know, it, it music certainly has the power to take us uh, to places where where we've been. I'd like to say, you know, there have been beautiful times, certainly in life, for most people. But it takes us there, reminds us, maybe even music, especially your kind of music, shows us the path to that place. You know, if we've forgotten our way, you know what I mean? What do you think? Yeah, yeah, I think it, I... I yeah. Music to me, and this is what I said about the conversation, right? Yes. A, a, you know, music to me is a meditation. It's a conversation with that inner self. And, you know, and I'm, I'm in that conversation with whatever it is that's connected outside of me to the, to the bigger world and also internally. And so it takes us, you know, the way I phrase something or the way a song phrases something, whether it's a Tom Petty song or a Bob Dylan song or even a Lady Gaga song or Taylor Swift song, the mm. way those phrases come across, it, you know, you get to have that experience with it and that conversation with, with your own life. Mm. And I think that that's what, that's what uh, you know, really has been consistent with me and, and, it, and it's helped me grow as a person is that I continue to kind of be in that meditation um, and and continue to write music, which I'm so grateful for. Mm. Well said, well said. All right, remind us, please, Stoll, of the uh, digital platforms on which the conversation will premiere Thursday, March fifteenth. All right, it's uh, Vimeo, iTunes, Spotify, and also Bandcamp. I forgot about that one. Ah, uh, okay. All right. Well, this has been exceptional. I can't tell you how much I enjoy talking to you. I, one of the things I love most about doing radio is invariably I meet people that I've always wanted to meet. <laughs> or, you know. You have, a, you have a great radio voice. I mean, it is so good. Well, uh, thank whenever you. Whenever I listen to you, I'm like, gosh, that is, that is a great radio voice. Well, I appreciate it. You have a great singing voice and a, a tremendous musician who understands, I believe, that the the very basic core of the power of music. Uh, it you your music just allows me to catch my breath, to get recentered, and inspires me. Okay, now I'm ready to start again. You know, you may not win win the battle every day, but you start out renewed. That's the way your music makes me feel. Well, that's the most beautiful thing I've heard. Thank you so much for that. It's my pleasure, Stoll, and I'm so glad you were on the show. I've been talking to Stoll Vaughn, composer, guitarist, American. Uh, you know, it's just it's it's just a wonderful uh, combination, all to be felt, I believe, in the conversation that uh, premieres March fifteenth, twenty eighteen. Any parting words, uh, Stoll, before we go? Just thank you and have a good day. Thank you. That's the best way to do it. Absolutely. Thank you so much and all the best to the premiere of the conversation. Bye now. Thank you. Okay, bye. Here is Stole Fawn singing Forgiveness. Mm-hmm. 
I got ghosts here in my way Yeah, they haunt me every day They got reasons and they got plans Take me out when they get their chance And I can tell you why they're here But that won't make them disappear I ain't saying I'll forget it Oh, the wrongs will ever be right We're just talking about forgiveness How it gives you back your It gives you back your Marcello Rolando, The Reasonable Voice, thanking you for joining us and becoming one of the reasonable voices heard around the world. Trump Team, Accessories Before and After the White Supremacy Facts What causes wars and loses elections is fear, not hate. Fear of losing something real or imaginary. Fear of being overlooked, forgotten, or ignored. Fear of being left behind thought stupid, or not being able to keep up. But when fear and hate marry, equality and justice for all are rarely the resulting issue. Whether the rippling effect of a Trump election or not, in 2017, fear of equal opportunity, heritage of immigration diversity, and becoming America's new minority has thrown its panicked gauntlet at the feet of America's character. American history is a continuing roller coaster ride of memories from differing points of view. Rattled by suspicions of betrayal drives many to betray love thy neighbor as thyself. Our history is in the making and the maker, but only in America do we celebrate rebellion against our Constitution, which guarantees freedom of speech when in union with the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government. As incompetent as Donald Trump is, it's not just his dishonesty or even his pilot-like washing his hands of Afghanistan, turning it over to generals for endless war. It's that 67% of Republicans support his response to the domestic terrorism invading American cities. When Native Americans protested the Dakota Access Pipeline to protect water, environment, and their sacred land, they were shot with rubber bullets by North Dakota police. But when armed white supremacists attacked interdenominational clergy who were obeying their permit to peacefully assemble, police protection was frozen in place until Charlottesville citizens put themselves between the assaulted clergy and the brown-shirt-style menace. 
Seven score and twelve years ago, American families fought over preserving, protecting, and defending a new nation conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men were created equal versus the right for plantation owners fearful of economic loss to incite secession from America. 750,000 Americans died from disease, malnutrition, imprisonment, and combat. In 2012 numbers, 7.5 million died for opposition definitions of America. In a war more temporarily muted by presidential emancipation and assassination than ended by two generals exchanging personal interpretations of the greater good. Still, David Duke and company deny us peace and goodwill toward all, and in 2017 statues are the latest excuse for incivility, gerrymandering, second-class citizenship, hate speech for free speech, and murder when an American skin is a tanner hue, religion not Christian, gender female, politics not conservative, sexual preferences not hetero, and when not Bannon, Gorka, Miller, clones. Arguably, alt-right and bigots are interchangeable labels, but the former portends fresh faces, not older open carry carrying neo-Nazi and Confederate flags. From eyewitnesses to the University Tiki Torch Parade, Friday, August 11, 2017, the alt-right are Bannon babies. Twenty-somethings being radically educated, not to be the tip of the spear, but the point of a sharpened cue-stick. The descendants of Jefferson Davis and Generals Robert E. Lee and Stonewall Jackson have condemned the violence in the name of their ancestors and joined the call to put Confederate statues in museums where they can be venerated by anyone wishing to relive the 19th century in 21st century air-conditioned comfort. Any nation so conceived and so dedicated was not lulled back into civil war because of a February 1915 birth of a nation promoting good guy images of the Klan. Nonetheless, to be vigilant, we need emulate the nine Tougaloo college students who, on May 27, 1961, exercised their right to do homework in a Jackson, Mississippi library. Their read-in illuminated what they were for not forces they opposed. What if in the 1930s no Germans attended Hitler rallies? What if we fired Mitch McConnell's and Paul Ryan's GOP for having physically challenged Americans in peaceful assembly, dragged from their wheelchairs, and removed from the halls of Congress? What if we ask the Department of Homeland Security why it's halting funding plans for Life After Hate, Sammy Rangel's anti-white extremism group? It's not about the statues. Racism is neither symbolism nor imaginary. It's people so fearful of national evolution that they elect international isolation. Although not the light of the world, we are the dawn's early light, eclipsing the bully's hate, the politician's fear, and waging of endless war in silence. Thank you, and join us. Become one of the reasonable voices heard round the world.
Thank you for continuing to listen to, support, and share the Reasonable Voice Blog Talk Radio with family and friends, especially online. We enjoy hearing from you, and in response, yes, we are now accepting new company and business advertisers and welcoming organizations seeking to be one of our sponsors. So please do continue to email us at thereasonablevoice at gmail.com. However, if you prefer to simply make a donation, your donations are greatly appreciated and can be made through PayPal by clicking on the donate button found at the top of the homepage of the Reasonable Voice. Website. Thank you for joining us today to make every day as reasonable as possible. We hope you will download and share our downloadable podcasts. I'm Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice, hoping you will become one of the reasonable voices heard around the world.